come on down, man. Yeah. Just you, just you can uh, you can unplug. You can come on down. to turn with me if you would to Ephesians 
And uh, of course, we're looking at the This piece of scripture, you know, last week we really talked about this, this per picture, this, this example that was there in marriage that was about the church, and the church is about marriage. And just, just talked about what everyday life and marriage is all about and what it adds up to. You'll see up on the, 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 the screen here, uh, a, a title, okay? We didn't get all the title on there, <laughs> okay? I wanted it all on there, but it says this. It says, God is raising up the generation of his return. I want you to write that somewhere. Amen. Obedience and honor. We're talking about my children obey your parents. I just don't see many little kids in here right now. You know what? And you know what? The, the message primarily wouldn't be to them anyhow, okay? Even though it would be for them. But there's something about this scripture where it says, little children, obey your parents. What? In the Lord. For this is right. Honor your mother and father and mother, which is the first commandment with what? A promise. So that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. He's saying this in the midst of husbands and wives, and husbands do this, wives this, that God's provided you for this, but it all comes from the same headwaters back in verse 18 where he's talking about don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's, all, he's talking about this psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. He's talking about making melody in our heart to the Lord. He's talking about being grateful in everything, and then he talks about submission one to another. That this quality, man, it can't be downplayed. Because Jesus submitted to his Father. The Holy Spirit submits to the Father and to the Son. And submission, vulnerability, allowing ourselves to be led, shaped, molded like clay, or like a, the gold ore that goes into the crucible, that there is, a, there is a work of God that brings about the vessel for his use, and that use is different for everybody. Man, he's not saying, oh, you're going to be this perfect brick of gold. He says, no, you're going, to be, you're going to be an item made out of gold for what? For a purpose. And in this part, he's talking about kids. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and your mother. So that maybe what? Well with you. And you might live long on the earth. Now, a long life of, of awfulness is not what he's talking about. Hey, you're going to live a long time. It's going to be super hard. And you're going you're gonna to just can't wait to get to heaven. Now, the can't wait to get to heaven, man, is, is valid. But the long life and just living long, he's not talking about that. He's talking about the quality of life. He's talking about a purpose fulfilled. In Exodus, Exodus uh, 12, 20 actually has the Ten Commandments in it, all right? And it's verses 8 through 12. And it's, man, we've got 8 through 13 up there, and that's just right. Because in the middle of these commandments is verse 12, and it says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And it's sandwiched in between 13, which says, man, don't murder people. You shall not kill. And before that, it says, man, keep the Sabbath. 
in the midst of that, he's saying to these children, that he's saying, man, you're not left out. So you don't have to have a driver's license to walk it out for the Lord. You don't have to what? Be 21 before you can walk it out for the Lord. He's going to show us these examples of how he uses children. And then he's going to use this word technon. Sounds kind of, sounds like, sounds like Star Trek a little bit. Technon. Sounds like the guys that would be from another planet. But this word technon in the Hebrew is talking about this child that's an offspring. This term of endearment. My little tech. Alright? And then it's this, it's this recognition that this is my child and therefore not only the preciousness of what that means, but also that, man, I have a, I have a responsibility to this little kid. But this little kid is not just mud until he's old enough to drive a car or sign up and make a contract. That he's somebody. This, she is somebody. And that work that he proves over and over again comes from, man, we've got to look at these words. This word, obey. Hupakuo. Hupakuo. Right? I think that would make a great t-shirt because people say, man, what are you, what are you doing, man? Hupakuo. Well, let me tell you about it. Hupo means submission. It means to be under. There's this word submission there. Now, akuo, I was a speech pathologist, so I had to go through all the, all the, all the, all the, all the, all the audiology stuff. <laughs> the speech stuff is tough. <laughs> but he's talking about akuo is, the, is our word for hearing. All right? Acoustics comes from this word. He's saying that, man, children need to be in a place where they can they can, they can, what, be shaped. And they need to be safe and honored. See, if we wrote this passage, we would say, man, uh, kids, enjoy the love of your parents, or uh, kids, love your parents. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the foundation that love can flow through. He's talking about something about this relationship that's, that represents somebody that's in a developmental part of their life. And he speaks of these two words, honor your father and mother and obey them. And it's just, it's a, such a beautiful word. This word submission means that in Proverbs 6.20, it says this, my son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will what? Guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. And when you awake, they'll talk to you. Isn't that something? For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light. And reproofs for discipline are the way of life. He's talking to kids. He's talking to kids in the context of a dad loving his wife. And of a wife being able to what? Respect and submit to her husband. He's bringing together this whole picture and how it really works. Not how it works theoretically, but how it works. I found this little sign on the, on the shelf back there. Open sign. See? That's, the, that's this part of a child's heart. That not only do they feel safe and secure, but kids want 
banks to the river for their life. They don't want mom and dad so worshiping them that they're so what? Afraid that their kids will not have a wonderful childhood. That they ruin their adult life. Because what? They've closed the door to submission, to obedience, and to honor. They've closed the door. And those kids get to a place. We've all done it. Listen, we've all been the kid. I, 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 I bought a hat in California. It says uh, San Clemente. I was, it was so touristy. I bought it in the most touristy tour shop in San Clemente. And I took a picture. Uh, I, sent the, I sent something. Somebody sent me a song. It was so good. And I said, well, that song is so appropriate if you knew where we were. And I sent a picture of Julie and I, and it was, it was an amazing selfie. Somebody that really knew how to take a selfie took this, all right? And I took a selfie. There's Rick and Julie. And in the background is Megan and Greg and this little baby. And see, that, that I had this hat because when I was 18 years old, that's the beach. That man almost drowned. Came this close. Should have drowned. Shouldn't have been alive. Shouldn't have come out of that water. That's the first time that I knowingly heard the voice of God, but I didn't know it was him. I would have never said it was him. But I was stuck in that water. And yet here I'm staying on a pier with this offspring that had offspring. And they didn't know this, but we went down there when they were courting. And we, the great and I sat on a, a, a picnic bench overlooking this beach. And that's where he asked me if he could marry me. He didn't know that. How God brings together these pieces. Man, because he's open. He wants us to come to him. That though we are to be, if, when we have children, okay, children raisers, okay, which never stops. Right? The kids, they keep growing, but our role with them matures, but it never stops. Because parents have to believe for their kids what God said about them in the beginning. And they have to stick with it. No matter what. No matter what our kids do, no matter what our kids say. We were kids, and we had to go through this process too. But the thing about it is we're also children of God. These two words... If we missed out on that, if somehow Christianity has been something else for us, Christianity has been this, this, this feeling of closeness with God and this, this, this amazement of this redemption and this forgiveness and this empowerment and the gifts, but we do not know what obedience and honor is, we have left everything, we've left money on the table because our learning is stunted. We're that little kid in the van going to soccer practice on Sunday, going to this thing and that thing that mommy and daddy are taking us, but we're not growing up. We're not maturing. It says this. I want you to think about this, man. If you don't write it down, it might be good to do. It says the form love assumes toward those who are Placed with a responsibility to and for us by God. That's where love lives. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what? 
What's it say? You'll obey me. It's not he'll, he's, he loves you if, but it demonstrates love when we obey him. When we what? When we get under what he's saying. And what? We hear it and we respond to it. And it becomes in our lifetime this operation of obedience that's instantaneous. That we know it's him and man, we know it's his word and we just step into it. And our personality is screaming or the situation is not worked out or the, the, the environment is still up in upheaval and yet we will obey him in that moment. And we'll step into it and we're not worried about, oh no, man, was that good? But we stop living in, was that God or was that the pizza from last night? That's where you learn it. That's where you get the acuity to his voice. Not by trial and error. I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about responding to him. And every word he will speak to you personally will line up with what he says in your life. John 8 says this. He's talking about, Jesus is talking, this is not on the board, I'm sorry, but uh, not shocking. He says in John 8, 39, he's talking to the Jews who are, who are contending with him, who are, who are on the flip side of this sign, man, who are closed. Their system is closed. They can't handle revelation. They're the keepers of the old ways. They're the keepers of the tradition. They're the keepers of what it really means to know and serve God. They're the keepers of it. And they believe in their heart that they are what? Protectors of Israel. Teachers that men have been studying and working hard and wearing the garb and looking the part. And they're saying to Jesus, listen, you keep calling God your father. We already have a dad. His name is Abraham. Jesus says this, they, the Jews, had believed in Jesus. Now, these are guys and people that are saying, man, that testimony of Christ, man, it's genuine. And they answered him and said, Abraham is our father. It's like it was a test. They had a test. Jesus is going to say something, and they're going to what? They're going to go back to the rules and regulations, but there's something missing. Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, they're his technot, his precious offspring, then do the deeds of Abraham. See, it's missing. There's this disconnect between what they believe and how they behave and what's the outcome of that behavior in public and in their home. They're, they're absent of fruit. We live in a day and age that man, to go and to lift our hands and to be all excited is enough. To sit and listen to the pastor drone on and make notes and keep them over here and study, it's enough. It's not enough. Because where's the proof in the pudding? We let our cities languish. We let thousands of people move into full columns. And man, it's like, they seem so close. They seem so, they seem so hard to reach. We don't let our own life, our own dwelling place, our own goods, our own, our own well-being, our own salary, 
yet, sometimes, like, like Haggai, we're, we're, we're sewing, we're, we're working, we're getting up early, we're staying up late, we're doing these things. We're living according to the tyranny of the urgent. And yet, we sow this bag of seed and we get this little bunch back. And it seems like the more I make, the more I pay in FICO, and the more I pay in taxes, and the more I pay for a sandwich, and the more I pay for oranges at the grocery store, and it just gets sucked away. And here are people, Zerubbabel and, jo 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 and Joshua in the book of Haggai, and they were, they were, they were tasked, they were given this, this calling to be this representation of these people returning back to Jerusalem after 70 years of exile. And they'd gotten into this thing themselves. These were good men. They'd gotten into the, the people who kept saying in their attitude and in their thinking and the way they behaved. They kept thinking, man, it's not time to build a house of the Lord. We're surviving here. We're getting by. And yet God said, man, I stopped the rain. I stopped it. Because I'm not going to let you flourish and misrepresent me. I'm not going to let you say you're open. You ever go to the store and they haven't flipped the sign around? They're really closed. We went to a Chinese restaurant one time with my, my mom and dad. Very outrageous because, well, man, we were beating potatoes people. I was like so excited. I was like eight years old. going to go to a Chinese restaurant. I didn't even know what that meant. And this lady kept coming over to my dad and saying something. And my dad would go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And finally, my mom says, Dale, he's saying they're closed. <laughs> we, man, all our excitement kind of faded away. We were in Thailand, and I went into the store, and uh, the, 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 wait, uh, the help kept coming over with this brochure and showing me this brochure. It was all in Thai. I couldn't understand it. So I didn't want to dishonor these ladies. So I, every time they come and show me something, what do I do? I go, ah, oh, hmm, uh-huh, ah. Oh. Like I knew what she was talking about. And then the next one, I would look at something, they'd come over, they were trying to help me. I kept saying, ah. So before we left, I went past the, the back room where the employees were, and they, they were telling a joke about me, and they were going, they would say something and tie them, they would go, ah. <laughs> so anyway, they were, they were hassling me back there. If you're going to say you're Abraham's kids, if you're going to say you're disciples of Jesus Christ, then God is working in you today all that will produce the fruit of that testimony. That you're not these symbols of Christianity. You're the life of Christ in the world. This word honor is... And let's go back to... Let's go ahead and do honor. We did obedience a little bit. Tomeo, okay? All right? It means to honor or to prize. Children, obey your parents. Man, get underneath that. And man, listen and step into it. Honor. It means, man, it means to, to show high regard to, to something's valuable. <laughs> you know what? My two sons, uh, older sons, work for the same company. It's, it's a recent development. And last night as we were leaving an event, uh, they were both there. And so they, they hugged each other, which they do when they leave. And then I heard Luke say to, to Jessica, man, let's not do this at work. <laughs> this honor, this value, all right? In Leviticus 10.3, it says this, Then Moses said to Aaron, 
is it is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy and before all the people, and I'll be honored. If your view of God is you're just going to high-five him because he's your friend, like a human friend, Jesus says he is our friend. But folks, he's not like your human friend. He, he deserves honor and respect. That doesn't mean his intimacy and love for you is any less. It just means to step into Christ is a step up. It's never a step that's just like this. It's a step up. And that word will break your heart when it begins to reveal the meaning of what it means to really follow him. It's not about how tough it is. It's about how this intimacy with him plays out in the rough and tumble out there. In Hebrews 12, it says this, 26. It says, And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. He's saying to them this, this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, God has got to work in your life and in my life through what? Obedience and honor, where it shakes out those things that get in the way. Shakes out those things that distract us. Shake out those things that, man, we believe, but it's because Uncle Joey said it. It wasn't because he said it. To, to, to bring to us that, man, this open means open. We have to be open to bring that out here to those that, what, seem like they're closed. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be, it's glorious. You've already experienced a lot of it. But what this church has not experienced is God working in such a way, man, where the people are standing along the sidewalks. And you need to. You need to. It's not something you can create. But this peace of being a child, this peace of being this kid. See, the beautiful thing about children, man, you don't, you don't have to work it into them that Christ is real, man. How many of you had some kind of experience in the reality of Christ when you were just a little kid? I always love that. When people say, I got saved when I was seven. I got saved when I was four. I love that. That's, that should be normal. But no, we have to wait till we drink too much or hang out with the wrong people or we, we, we have to go through drowning in California. Before sometimes we wake up, I think we need more of the other testimony. But this reality of these kids can't be experienced without parents investing. See, unless there's submission, there's no place for love to penetrate. Unless there's the vulnerability of trusting God to the place where he will shape you or heat up the furnace to refine you, then there's no place for love to be in us because we want love to be what, what, what we want love to be. If any of you have been married more than like a day, you'll realize, man, there's a lot you don't know about marriage. You're like, what? I didn't know that. And you say that a lot. I didn't know that. 
Well, you try to you try to you try to live out of what you know, and man, you just make a mess of things. But he says, parents must invest. This is Deuteronomy six five through seven. It says, "You shall love the Lord your God with what all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might." How do you know you do that? How do you know it's your whole heart? Because somebody else has to own it. You can't administrate your own heart. It's not because we're stupid or weak. It's because our heart is, this, is designed to beat with his heartbeat. It's designed to be his heart. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be what? On your heart. You shall teach them to what? Diligently to your sons. And shall talk of them when you sit in the house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise up. That there is this what? Just as marriage is every day. Raising kids is every day. Just as raising kids is every day, your growth and development of Christ, in Christ is every day. Well, I don't feel close to God today. I love that song. Even when we don't feel like he's working, he's working. And it's a good thing. Because we all have stuff that's not resolved. Kids or situations or future. We have it unresolved. And he's saying to us, listen, we have to as parents I started parenting people before I had children. Not because, hey, I felt like I was their dad. It's because, man, I worked as a young Christian at the student center in, in, in Colorado State, and I was surrounded by doctoral candidates and everybody, you know, people that were uh, in graduate school and big engineering guys. But we were all what? Working there in what? Scrub floors and clean bathrooms. There was this what? This level playing field. And when they found out I was a Christian, they, they liked teasing me. But you know what? When I'd be working with them by themselves, pretty soon, man, they'd say, man, hey, man, would you pray for me about this? Or can we have, could we, man, can we have lunch? Or can I sit down and talk to you a minute? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the wisdom they need. I just know how to connect with who is. It says this. It says, train up your child, Proverbs 22, 6. In the way that they should go. Even when he is old, he'll not depart from them. Famous, famous. We parents quote this a lot. Because we, we see our kids do stupid things. Right? As in that transition between, uh, you know, adolescence and adulthood, which sometimes takes a long time. Um, they, do, they do dumb things. I did dumb things. But it says train up. It means, it means give them banks to the river. And they may buck the banks. They may not like the banks later on. But the banks are there. That scripture, that word, that sit, talking to them on the way and in the house and on the street and in the car about the things of the kingdom. And just, they don't come out of that kid. They stay in there. And what? It marinates inside that young heart. It says in Psalm twenty-two thirty, 30, it says this. It says, posterity will serve him. It will it will be told of the Lord to be the it will be told of the Lord to the coming generation that they come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. Man, that, that, that title for the day, man, we are we're raising up the generation for the return of Christ. And people are saying, well, how do you know that? What else would we prepare them for? 
What, what, what did any generation prepare them for? But to be that generation. And you read in Matthew 18 where Jesus describes that season prior to his return. Would you let your children, would we be those kids who would face that kind of an environment and claim we're sons of Abraham, but we don't know what we're doing? We would find ourselves, listen, man, mom and dad, we have to be open. Mom and dad, we are children of God. We're technons of God too. If we've missed out on these ingredients, which what are key to a young person learning, then we don't have to miss out. We may be 20 or 70 or uh, 90, but these, these things, these concepts, these, this character of God is for us as well. Ephesians 5 8 says, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are the light in the world. Walk as children of light. And our kids, our offspring, our disciple making, our being a disciple, has the same characteristics as what he's talking about, whether it affects the husband, whether it affects the wife or whether it's this, this, this wisdom and command to children. It's the same. Listen, to disobey parents is a system. This, there's consequences of missing out on these ingredients. To disobey parents, parents is a symptom of a disintegrating and a decaying society. And Christian families have a distinct responsibility not to contribute to the collapse of the order in our community. To disobey parents is named in the horrible list of sins ascribed to those who did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. That's in Romans 1. Verse 28 says, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they would what? They would do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, they're slanders, they're God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve those who practice. That's the environment. That is talking about, listen, without these characteristics of being able to what? Submit to what God says and act upon it, being doers of the word. Then we are what? We're saying we're open, but man, you know what? We're really closed. Our carrying Bibles to church every week says we're open. Our ignoring our neighbor next door says I'm closed. We become these people that are, that, that are schizophrenic. We say one thing and do the other. We believe one other thing and we do another. We search and look for God to continue to tell us that he's for us while we're living a life that looks like we're against him. This change that God is bringing, he's working in you. This consequence of missing out is not for you. We're not of those who shrink back and are lost. 
And let's take a look. This is not on the, on the, on the screen. Now let's take a look at 1 Samuel 3. Let's just take a brief, brief look. 1 Samuel 3. The story of Samuel is, is so beautiful in terms of Hannah being his mom. She just knew she had, she had a child to bear. She was barren. And she lived with a second wife, which would always be... I think, and I don't think any man will live long having more than one life. I think their life would be like pretty much in jeopardy every day. Because he had one life that she was, uh, Charlie said this a really long time ago, and we didn't stop having kids. He says, she's kind of fertile myrtle. It was not a compliment, okay? Men at 20 was not a compliment, all right? And one wife was fertile myrtle, had kids like whatever. And Hannah, though her husband loved her, it wasn't so much that she was barren, but she knew she was supposed to be a mom. She was supposed to be a mom of a particular person that she had no prophetic insight into, just the hunger for. And sure enough, this little boy miraculously was born. And she told God, this little boy belongs to you. So when he was four, ever see a four-year-old? Most of us don't remember being four. They're super cute. Three or four-year-old, man, you just want to shellack them and keep them there, okay? They're just cool little kids, all right? Say funny things. She took them down to where the priest was, and that was going to be his home. He was devoted to God. Moms, how hard would that be? Unless you knew that, that the child you bore was for a purpose that God had for them. And though it seemed to everybody, including her, that this was precarious and dangerous because the priest, Eli, he was, not a, he was not a guy that was keen on the inside of the spirit. And he let his boys, he let his other kids run wild. She brings him down and gives him to the Lord in that place. When he was sixth grader, how old are you when you're sixth grader? What, 12? When he was 12-ish, he was laying in bed one night. And he heard his voice, Samuel, Samuel. He thinks it's Eli calling him. So he runs over to the man, Eli, what do you need? Listen. I didn't call you. Does it a couple times. Finally, Eli, the sharp priest, goes, wait a minute, I think God's trying to talk to you, man. Just let him know. Just say to God, man, here I am. Now, I'll tell you what. At 12 years old, man, I was an army kid. I was getting all kinds of, I mean, I did some army things. That wasn't mean things, all right? But I did some army things. I had a friend who goof around, man, really not thinking about real life. And yet at 12 years old, something happens when, when Samuel responds to God and says, here I am. And Samuel says to the Lord, here I am. And in verse 10 of chapter 3, he entrusts a sixth grader with a message to change a nation. not the first time God uses children at a young age. We could go through the list. It's quite a list. See, a mom devoted her son, not because of any other reason, but because, and not even because she made that vow. She knew she was supposed to have this special kid. Parents, you've had special kids. And 
and some of them have lost their way. But man, you need to be on your knees about what God says about your kids. And if you didn't put the things in them that they need, start now. Your kids may be 45 years old. Start now. Never too late. Start now sharing with your adult children what God is teaching you about God's purpose for them. And don't stop. They may say, listen, man, dad, your religion is making me crazy. Well, good, man. Right? Because you got crazy backwards. And don't stop. Don't stop believing what God says about the people that are in your circle. And if you find yourself struggling with fruitfulness, struggling with the, the dichotomy between what you know and what you do and the effect on it, then come back to the basics. Am I obeying him? Do I know the difference between that's the Lord and that's, man, that's last night's lasagna? Do I know the difference? And if not, ask him to teach you. You may start like a kid, but start with submission and hearing and responding. You may not know what honor is. Maybe you had somebody in authority may have hurt you. Said one thing, lived another, tried to, tried to back you in a corner or, or misrepresented you or, or dealt uh, with a favorite one of ours as injustice to you. Maybe that happened. But man, I tell you what, if you will respect God and work in that person. Maybe you had a terrible parent. I had a friend had a terrible parent, drunk, terrible dude, unfriendly, unnice. And yet when he got saved, he saw the value. And he had, even growing up in that horrible house, he saw the value of, you know what? My dad not being a dad drove me to find the heavenly father. Wow, what a privilege. So at 45 years old, he goes to, he wasn't, he, you know, he wasn't raised in this country. He went back to see his pop, and he picked his pop up, pop up and kissed him on the head and said, thanks, Dad. Wow. Changed his mom's heart. This moment that we have, people of God, is precious. And man, what God wants us to do, man, is what? He wants us to make it over. Open to Him. Open to obedience. Open to honor. The Bible says what? We're to obey those who are leading us. And people hear that and they go, man, I don't, you're not, I'm going to let you control me. Man, it's not about control. It's about honor. Because we respect the Jesus in that person. And it says, man, those who preach, teach and preach should get a double honor. Those that labor at it. Why? Because God wants them to be, to have, be well off and not you? No. It's a matter of honoring that parentage, that parent's heart, even of God. Well, I only listen to God. I don't listen to man. You need to read your Bible. It's not what it says. It says, man, to respect policemen, government officials, your president. May not be the president you voted for, but man, you respect the office. Governors and city council people, man, respect them. 
fine, but they're, they're, they're corrupt, or they do this and that, and then they're a bunch of fools. Listen, be careful what you call a fool. Because sometimes when we point a finger out here, what's happening? There's three fingers pointing right back at you. <laughs> if all you can find is phonies, then probably you're a phony hunter. You may want to check to see if you're real too. So as we come to this moment, and go ahead and uh, the, uh, the offering people want you uh, to grab your stuff, and worship folk, uh, come back, because, you know, I tell people, man, I'm never going to corner you. I'm not trying to corner you today. I'm just saying, man, this, this piece of obedience and this piece of honor, even for those of us who do respect, but man, a fruit of what God has raised us for, come on, man, it just doesn't match how much we know. It's not time to feel bad, beat ourselves, wish we, uh, you know, just repent, get a bunch of sackcloth. It's not that time. It's time to get up. And go up the mountain, man, and get some wood. Start building this house. Father, we thank you for the richness, Father, that you have given us in Christ. We thank you that, Father, these little baskets don't cut it in comparison, Father, to the generosity that's in our hearts. Father, for you for your kingdom, for your house. And so, Father, today, as we make a, a token, as we, as we give, Father, of our goods, Father, it's just to say, Lord, I'm going to give as I've been given unto. I'm going to move and remove the thimble I give with. And I'm, going to, I'm going to get a big old barrel. I'm going to get a swimming pool. I'm going to get a tanker truck. Because, Father, that's how you've given. And I can never run dry. I can never be without because, Father, that's, those things are on your heart more than on mine. So, Father, we bless you for that. We thank you, Father, for the, for the building we find ourselves in and for your plan for such a building. And we thank you, Father, for uh, this time that we have that we can reflect on you and know you. So we bless you, God. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we spend a little time in worship uh, before we close, Perhaps you, you need some prayer. Uh, perhaps the, the subject of obedience or the subject of honor, subject of being a technon. And don't go out without what? At least get a little prayer. At least make a note somewhere. Man, I learned this today. Because I'm going to pay attention to what God is telling me. If you want to come up forward, be prayed for, man, it's open. If you want to come up forward, nobody messes with you, you've got the right to do that. But also, man, if you have something you have for somebody else, or if you have a word that you believe is for us as a, as a church this morning, man, come on up here while we have a little worship. Thank you for coming, and thank you for being here. And God is at work in your hearts and doing a mighty work. God bless you week, and thank you for your heart of desire to come, considering you, and to believe the things that God has said, not only about you, but about what? Who this empty seat might be for? Who this pew, man, who you're going to fill it with? So we just thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you for your presence.